but we also need a purpose and we need to think about our society in a long-term way. You know, freedom, freedom works. Uh, it's important. And if you don't see the value in freedom, then you need to uh, read up a bit, get educated because freedom isn't something that, that just flourishes naturally. It has to be maintained. Sometimes it has to be fought for. And uh, if you don't have freedom, you're about to lose everything. Hello and welcome to the Govern This Podcast. This is a political podcast for non-political people where we ask the simple and ignorant questions about our country and government and get them answered. I'm really excited about this episode. It's a really important one. I get to chat with lawyer Marty Moore from the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms. I learned about the Constitution. I learned about our freedoms. I learned about what things are happening right now with COVID and our freedoms And I learned that the government can actually be sued if they don't stay in their lane, which they clearly haven't been lately, as you'll find out. Now, before we get to that, if you enjoy this episode and think it's important, please share it with as many people as you can. You can connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash govern this and on Twitter at we govern this. Also, as we run solely on donations here, If you feel so inclined to help us out financially, just click on any of the links in the episode description or drop by the website at www.governthis.ca. It makes all the difference, and I can't say thank you enough. And now here we go. I hope you enjoy this chat as much as I did with lawyer Marty Moore. All right. Welcome, Marty Moore, to the Govern This Podcast. Thanks very much, DJ. Yeah, you work for the Center uh, Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms. Yeah, it's it's a mouthful. Uh, <laughs> thankfully, I have it on the on the on the board behind me, so I yeah. good with that. We go by Justice Center most of the time, just to keep yeah. it simple. But just like Justice League, <laughs> right? Yeah, I wish I had some superpowers. That maybe that's what I'm lacking today. <laughs> Well, it kind of seems like, from what I understand, that you guys are similar to them because you're taking on things that don't seem. I think most people don't think that you can actually do the things you guys are doing. You know, like your tagline, "We sue the government." What? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, as a lawyer, um, you know, it's it's a pretty rare opportunity that I have to work at the Justice Center because what we do is we, you know, seek to defend the rights of Canadians under the constitution and you know growing up in canada i didn't even realize really we had a constitution i mean i kind of heard about it i heard about you know different things like the charlottetown accords and 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 some discussions but we actually have constitutional rights in our country um and the reality is, is that our politicians our governments need to be reminded about those rights and uh you know the courts are set up to be that reminder for the government and so the Justice Center's role is to, you know, educate Canadians, but also to litigate against government when they keep crossing that line. And sadly, in the last 15 months, a lot of lines have been crossed. Okay. And uh, I think it's going to be an issue to grapple with as to see, you know, where where do we draw these lines in Canada? And uh, constitutionally, our perspective is that 
Many of these red lines have been crossed and the government needs to be pushed back into their place. Uh, It seems like they have grabbed a hold of every possible decision of your life, whether it's to travel, whether it's to see your family, uh, you know, how you work, where you work. All of those things are now dictated decisions from the government, which doesn't sound like the free and democratic society that our constitution says we're supposed to be. And so that's where we come in as a registered charity. We, we seek to push back against government when, when they cross those lines. And uh, so we're in court a lot over this last 15 months. And you know what? It, the litigation is going to take some time to sort out, but it's important. It's important yeah. to figure out where we as a country stand in regard to constitutional rights and freedoms. Yeah. So, okay, that brings up a couple things that I want to start off with. Um, it, it was, I was kind of a dummy asking you for more information because <laughs> then I went on your guys' site and I'm like, holy crap, there's too much stuff here. There's, it's, which is amazing because right. I was like, where do you find information? And there it is. So I'm going to be pointing people to, to your guys' site all the time now. Um, but I'm reading this book to uh, the essentialism or essentialism. And he said something in it that made me think of now and you guys said, when we forfeit our right to choose, someone else will choose for us. And I was like, that's what's happening now. And I feel like as Canadians, we get so complacent because we're so nice, quote unquote, that we just think, oh, they've they've got our back. And um, so ever since I started this podcast... Because I started this podcast because I didn't know anything about politics. And I was like, I'm, I'm older now. I, I should know something. So, But everywhere I'd look, people were talking way over my head. They're talking about things that I needed to know basic stuff for that I didn't understand. So I want to just ask dumb questions or seemingly dumb questions, just ignorant questions. Um, and I wanted to have someone on about the Constitution like way at the beginning because i was like constitution what exactly like you said so can we start there constitutional freedom the canadian constitution our freedoms as canadians what's the deal and it's 1982 what (laughs) exactly yeah well that's i mean exactly that's that's that was my questions i mean even even going into law school you know it was like okay now we're finally beginning to unpack what should be like very essential knowledge for every single Canadian. Um, So yeah, we have a constitution in Canada. It's a little different than, you know, the, the stereotypical, like here's the American constitution. It was signed, you know, here in 19 or in, in uh, 1787, that kind of stuff. We're dealing uh, in Canada with, with actually a number of different documents. So Canada was founded 1867. Most people get that. Uh, It was started with the British North American Act. Now it's called the Constitution Act. That essentially sets out, we got the federal government and then we have the provincial government and there's different, different powers are, you know, placed for different governments. Right. So you have, you know, the federal government in Canada is dealing with criminal code stuff. You have uh, provincial government dealing with, you know, a lot of other things, essentially, you know, property and civil rights, for example, goes into uh, provincial government. Right. So that's part of our constitutional structure. We move along. We have different documents that are elevated to constitutional status over 100 years. And then actually Pierre Elliott Trudeau and Jean Chrétien put together, along with a lot of the premiers, negotiated back and forth 
uh, something called the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms, which is adopted in 1982 okay. uh, through the Constitution Act 1982. And so that's where you have a document that says we've got guaranteed rights in this country. Before you had not really an established guarantee of rights in pa- on paper. You kind of had courts saying, you know what, you as a, you know, a city, say, example, you can't prohibit door to door, you know, proselytizing because mm-hmm. that's not in your jurisdiction to do. And they, they, use the, they use this. That's not in your jurisdiction. But really, they were trying to protect fundamental rights. And so now we actually have a document, the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms, that says these are your fundamental rights. And those are found in Section 2 of that document. Fundamental right, first off, is fundamental right to conscience and religion. Number two, you got your fundamental uh, freedom of thought, belief, opinion, expression, and freedom of the press and other media. Number three, you have freedom of peaceful assembly. So that's getting together peacefully. That's protected. Then you got your freedom of, of association. And these, we'll put them into four categories. The section 2A, B, C, and D of the charter. Those are called your fundamental freedoms. Okay. And section one of the charter, though, says all of these rights and freedoms are guaranteed to the extent and they can't be infringed unless the government can demonstrate with evidence a justification. So to the extent government wants to limit your freedom of expression, they have to it has to be demonstrably justified in a free and democratic society. And Mm. the one who determines that is the court. So the courts are set up as this structure to say, okay, government, what you're doing there is not demonstrably justified in a free and democratic society. Therefore, we're going to strike it down. And so that's where the new litigation since 1982 is is dealing with laws, is dealing with government action, saying, is it demonstrably justified? Which, again, this is that. Is there evidence showing that in a free society, this is the way things should work? And the courts make those calls. And so – Hopefully that's kind of the basic understanding of the charter. Those are the freedoms. There's a lot of rights involved. Like section six, for example, says that you have the right to move between provinces and, <laughs> and pursue livelihoods. Well, we've seen some, uh, some, someone, some government's been tinkering with that a little bit lately as well. Uh, yeah. You have the right to, to leave and enter the country. Well, oh boy, now we talk about federal quarantines and things like that. So all of, <laughs> essentially all of your rights and freedoms have been engaged in a fairly significant way even if you didn't realize you had these rights and freedoms. And, and I think uh, politicians have gotten away with a lot because Canadians don't actually think about what you said there, CJ, is the importance of choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, people, people seem to think that unless a government authorized doctor is dictating your personal decisions, that you won't make a good personal decision about your own health or about the health of your family and friends. Like, Anyway, yeah. the, the dictating of personal choices versus the providing information to enable personal choices. Yeah, we, we, there's definitely a problem there constitutionally. One is no problem constitutionally. The other, dictating personal choices is about as, as unconstitutional as, as in, our, in my view, you're going to get. Because you know, a free and democratic society, freedom has to mean something. If it doesn't mean that you have an ability to choose... Uh, you know, your fundamental personal, uh, you know, things in relation to your conscience, your religion, your expression, your beliefs, your peaceful assembly and your association, you know, we, we have a real <laughs> crisis of freedom. 
<laughs> yeah. And well, when you went through all the, like those first few things in the constitution, I was like, well, those seem like they've all been attacked <laughs> lately, Yeah, like over the past few years, but even especially now since the pandemic began and yeah. it's, and, and it seems like now all of a sudden the government's letting up, right? Or, and so it's like, I'm like, are we kind of out of it or should we still be worried? But I, I okay, <laughs> there's so much. Oh my gosh. Um, let's jump back for a sec. Let's just go back to the beginning of the pandemic when they called for the state of emergency. So that's what you're talking about. It has to be something extreme for them to put things in place to kind of box us in to any certain thing, right? So what is the state of emergency and how, what are the bounds? And did they, I'm guessing that they totally blew those walls out a little bit. Yeah. Well, you know, that, that's a unique question. Uh, Charter rights don't, you don't have to have a state of emergency to limit charter rights. So, so for example, let's, let's pick freedom of expression because it's an easy, easy discussion. The courts have said, you're not able to advocate genocide against other people. That's beyond the pale of a free and democratic society. That's against the values of our society to such an extent that that kind of expression is properly criminalized. There's evidence to justify it. We have horrendous history of when people are dehumanizing and advocating genocide that sadly sometimes that happens. And so you don't need a state of emergency and you can provide evidence to a court to say this is properly limited in a free and democratic society. Okay. So charter rights can be limited um, when the evidence is there to justify it. Now, you know, putting it into the context of, of, of COVID, you know, at the start, you had a lot of fear. You mm-hmm. had individuals saying, you know, this is going to be a 3% death rate. Uh, you're, you could have millions of people die, um, you know, thousands, hundreds of thousands of people dying in Canada. I think those are actually the predictions. I mean, I'm not exactly sure what it was in the context of BC, but I mean, think of a tiny place like Saskatchewan. I think they're predicting to have 35,000 deaths in Saskatchewan at the start of the pandemic. So here's the information. The government's getting, you know, given this information through the Imperial College in London. And they're like, ah, we've got to shut stuff down because everybody's going to die here. That's that's the information they had. Therefore, they act and they limit like categorically a whole lot of charter rights at the same time, as well as limiting, you know, your ability to run your business, employees to come to work, all those kind of things. Yeah. And so in that context, could you say, well, that's, you know, justified in free and democratic society. If this is Ebola or the bubonic plague coming into your society and you're looking at. 3%, 4%, 3%, 4%, you know, Ebola, 50% of people who get this are going to die. You know, the uh, ability of a government to, you know, limit charter rights is going to be equal to the evidence that they can show uh, of harm that would arise from the exercise of those charter rights. And mm. So so that's what changed. Exactly. Information becomes key. Facts become key. Science is incredibly important in regard to your constitutional rights. And, you know, science doesn't just (laughs) science is not someone with a government job saying something. Science is actual data, replicable data, analysis, you know, the facts, the statistics, all of those things become very relevant, or at least they should become relevant. 
what we're seeing sometimes is that government is given a free pass on this stuff and we yeah. don't really want to talk about the science. I mean, I was on, I was on a talk radio show in, in Vancouver not that long ago. And I, I happened to stay on past my interview with, with the host and an, indivi- an individual called in saying, you know, these legal guys, like, why can't they just stop talking about this stuff? As if, <laughs> as if like, we're almost through this. What's the point of talking about this stuff? Well, reality matters. The facts matter. I mean, if your business has been shut down for 15 months because a government official said so, you should be concerned and, and you should care about whether that was a justified shutdown or not. Yeah. You, you should want to know what is the actual, you know, was, was that a justifiable risk? Because the reality is, is, is we live in a world where health concerns arise. Mm. Every year there's flu season. Uh, sometimes there's very bad flus. I mean, you can go back to, you know, not that, I mean, you can go back to the influenza in 1918, incredibly damaging. You, there's, 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 that was a Spanish flu. I think there was a flu called the Hong Kong flu. Um, some of these are, are pretty, pretty rough and I'm not saying they're the same as COVID, but we're talking numbers that like in the Spanish flu, way worse. The yeah. Hong Kong flu, you know, I'm not going to have that number precisely, but <laughs> if, if any health concern means the government gets to tamper with all your rights and freedoms, that, that could be, that well, could have longer lasting implications than simply one particular virus that that arises well and i think you're right with we need to know like yeah people are like well we're almost through this like let's just you know like ease up and they got us through whatever but did they though like properly did they there's one article you guys had i love those like two minutes with the justice center those are great so good yeah um and there was one talking about like they're talking about the deaths from covid quote unquote deaths from covid and but then they're like, what about the depression or the suicides or like all these other things that the government isn't counting, right? And those are the costs of COVID, the poverty that people are all of a sudden in now. And um, I, I think it's really interesting how you put it, like you want to know how they came to those things because it almost defines the character of the government that you're allowing to run so you want to know that for the next election, if you want these people to stay there or like if they were lying about a bunch of stuff or if they weren't or like you just want to know. And that's the thing that I found the most difficult is I've started like through all this. I'm like, this isn't adding up. Like I'll hear this or this. And I'm like, well, she's Bonnie Henry just said this. And then she said this. Those two things don't connect. So credibility is just just nose diving. Right. So yeah, we need to know. Um, well, and I think it's it, it's important to like distinguish between uh, the positions that people are speaking in. If someone's speaking to you objectively on the basis of here's the data and here is the objective costs, you know, risks, benefits, you know, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. If someone is speaking to you politically. And so they are saying, for our government's purposes, we are going to do X because we want Y to be allowed, but X we don't really care about. You know, you're, you're having a different conversation. And I, you know, put it, let's, let's you know, contextualize it a little bit. Uh, in the province of British Columbia, uh, we brought two matters to court. We okay. said, 
you've got an absolute prohibition on in-person religious services. What's your evidence to justify that? Yeah. And then you also have an absolute prohibition on outdoor protests. What's your evidence to justify that? So yeah. let me let let's just walk through that carefully. It took us a few months before the, we got to court. Um, actually, pretty rapidly, we had a hearing in March first to third. We get to court. The government says we have actually never heard of a case being transmitted at an outdoor protest throughout the entire period. So Black Lives Matter protests. Those are pretty massive in Victoria, pretty massive in yeah. Vancouver, all around the province. Oh, yeah. And by the way, for those of you who said, oh, well, all those people are wearing masks. Also, the anti-mask protests, all of the protests against pipelines, oil and gas, not a single case transmitted at any point in the province that they could point to. So the government comes to court and says, yeah, we've prohibited these things for the last several months. You know, we're only ticketing and and targeting those that are anti-government protests, by the way. You know, the 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 well. Or only anti-lockdown protests. No one else got ticketed except the anti-lockdown protesters. But all that aside, the government's like, okay, forget it. We actually admit we had no evidence for that. We'll we'll consent in this court to say that our political orders through Dr. Bonnie Henry had no justification at all. So in one order, the court strikes down those laws for the last few months. Okay. And I mean, that's that's kind of shocking. Well, you did, had your public health officials saying your right to peacefully assemble outside is is 100% suspended. You cannot go outside to protest together. Mm-hmm. And what's your basis for that? No basis. Just just none. Okay. Just, it's insane. So, so <laughs> it is kind of insane. And, and the reality is, is that like across the country, Manitoba, they are arresting people if you go to a protest. Like if you're a speaker at a protest, they'll find an arrest warrant. Like Maxime Bernier got arrested over the weekend because he was speaking at a protest. Well, potentially also because he was not quarantining in the province of Manitoba, which we can talk about mobility rights later. So this issue of outdoor protests, you know, and and they're incredibly selective. Like we saw in Ontario, for example, all outdoor protests are prohibited. Mm. Oh, yeah. Except if if it's a morning and and it's very important for communities to come together and mourn. And, and, you know, outdoor peaceful assembly, it's a right for a reason. And it applies to protests. It applies to these vigils. Um, but the government only allows one. Well, if, if you're allowing one, what's the difference in the health risk between one and another? Just because the content of discussion or the subject matter is different? Like, you it, don't get to say that this is based on science anymore. So, so right. just that alone... And again, the right to protest is probably the most fundamental concept and most most publicly expressed right. Like everybody remembers Tiananmen Square. Why? Because people came to protest oppression. And, you know, the great movements of history have always been uh, marked by outdoor protests. And what did governments do in the 21st century in a free and democratic society? They just ban it. Or they say, oh, you can have 10 people. Or, or like... Or like Jason Kenney said in Alberta, why don't you have a virtual protest? Gather <laughs> online on Zoom and have a protest. And you're, you're wondering, like, is, is this person actually speaking that? Like, oh my God. And, and who is, where's the media person in the room that's not asking a question saying, 
do you understand what a protest is? Because if you're on your computer screen talking to fellow people who have the same opinions as you on yeah. your computer screen, that doesn't sound like much of a protest. No, I mean, not. Martin Luther King, why don't you just just march in your church building? I don't want to see you on the street. That's banned. Just march in your church building and, and change will come. We trust us. Change will come. Yeah. You know, that, that's anyway, so that, that's one of the concepts. Now, moving along to a different issue, religious services. Okay, so the government categorically prohibits religious services entirely. When they did that, you're still allowed to go to a restaurant and have six people from six different households at a table in a restaurant. But if you went to any of the great cathedrals, the mosques, the temples, or whatever in the province of British Columbia, and if you and another person came there to celebrate a religious festival, service, sacrament together, Mm -hmm. two people, that was prohibited, regardless of whether you were spaced out by 150 feet and were wearing a bubble suit. That was the nature of the order. And and so we asked the government again, what's your justification for this particular rule? And they said, well, throughout the period of COVID, we've seen 180 cases that are associated with religious settings in the province, 180. (laughs) At that point, there've been 60,000 COVID transmissions, COVID cases in the province. And so they said, well, 180, that's, that's what we got. And we don't know if those places were following the rules. We don't know if they were social distancing. We don't know if they were applying to any of our guidelines. And Bonnie Henry, she, she has a wonderful way of letting things slip a little bit on some of her news conferences. You know, <laughs> just, yeah. before, just before she issued this order, like a few weeks before, she says, well, you know, when we see people following our, our guidelines, we don't see transmission. So she said that. And then three weeks later, she says, Screw it. We don't care if you're following guidelines. All religious services are prohibited. They said it would be for two weeks. Of course, it was for almost six months. And so when we went to court, the court said, "Uh, you know, you have some evidence here, but I'm actually not going to consider that evidence. What I'm going to consider is whether Dr. Bonnie Henry's statements in in some of these news conferences could be construed as reasonable. Hmm. And I'm going to give lots of deference to her. And so, yeah, I think it's reasonable. In a decision that confounds us, I think it actually confounded the government lawyers because in the court, uh, the judge, uh, the Honorable uh, Chief Justice Christopher Hinkson, he would ask a question such as, explain to me how I can go to a bar and sit for an unlimited period of time watching the Canucks lose. He he mentioned that that was maybe not the best thing for mental health. Um, (laughs) How can I do this? And other people can be around sitting in the bar watching the game as well. But if I happen to attend a religious gathering to celebrate a, a festival or, or something to do with my faith, that would be categorically prohibited. Tell me what the difference is there. Yeah, and the government lawyers didn't have much of an answer. And to this day, we're still trying to figure out their answer. At one point, Dr. Bonnie Henry said religious people, she kind of hinted, well, religious people don't necessarily follow the rules. And it's like, that's a rather categorical and discriminatory statement. And of course, that's not, you can't make that true. You know, make rules that are clear, people will follow them. I mean, our clients, for example, uh, in BC, these are people who have followed the rules so fastidiously that their contact tracing is way ahead of the government's contact tracing. When there's a case in their community, whether, you know, transmitted at at a school or something, 
they're able to inform everybody way before the government contact tracers get a hold of things. And, you know, they wear masks, they're, they're social distance, they have professional cleaning going on the whole nine yards. Um, but yet, you know, they, some of these people are facing fifty, sixty thousand dollars in fines because they happen to believe that they had to meet for their religious purposes and that failing to do so would be, you know, violating the vulnerable in their community, some, who, some of whom can't meet on Zoom, some of whom, uh, you know, the faith community is essential. It's, it's in the nature of a support group. So religious services were prohibited. Support groups were permitted to meet up to 50 people. Um, and you're saying, well, some people's support group looks like attending a religious service once a week, but uh, not, in the, not in the government of BC's eye. So these are the kind of questions that cause a number of people, including myself, to be, they, these decisions are rather political. And I remember John Horgan answering a question, uh, and he was rather revealing. You, you can look it up, where he's saying, you know, an individual calls in saying, you know, Premier Horgan, our religious community is very safe. We've met, like, for example, no transmission at a religious service on the island whatsoever, ever. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, every, every religious service that met on the island, there's never been recorded transmission. And, and so he's from the island. He's saying, Premier Horgan, why couldn't we meet? Where I'm seeing, like, big outbreaks among the employees at Walmart or Costco or Ikea. Like, and, and, and Horgan says, you're right. You know, scientifically, you're right. But... Costco and Walmart, they're paying a salary to people. They're paying people. And so we, that economic activity is important. Now, I'll let you know, one is the recipient of multiple layers of constitutional protection. That would be a religious gathering. Um, Working at Walmart is actually not constitutionally protected. You don't have that protection of the constitution. It's just an economic decision. Now, I'm not saying government should prohibit those kind of places, but... Government needs to be consistent. Well, they're not allowed I'm... to discriminate against faith communities. They're not allowed to act arbitrarily because they have to prove justification when they're violating constitutional rights. And anyway, that case is going to the Court of Appeal on the on the religious service issue. And uh, we'll, we'll see what they have to say. But uh, some of this looks more political than than science based. Well, it, um, it, it all doesn't seem a... very science based anymore. And I think like how you said at the beginning that people were scared. There was fear. So I think we were letting them kind of like take charge and being like, okay. But then, right. like I said, things didn't just, they just didn't add up anymore. Like the church thing seems like the easiest place to implement social distancing and all these, these things where people go in, yeah. they sit, you can have plexi yeah. between everybody. You could do all sorts of things. Yet I went shopping at a mall before Christmas and I, you're dodging people. And I'm like, how is this okay? <laughs> yeah. You know, or sitting well, in bars. And, and that's the thing, the consistency with when they closed restaurants again, that was at the same time when they were talking about all the schools cases, right? And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. but then it's supposed to be, well, kids aren't, don't get it really or whatever. But it's like, if this science is that, then this has to be this. And if this is a thing, well, then that has to be a thing. But they're like, this is a thing, but that's not a thing. And this is, and that's not. It's like, well, things don't match up. It doesn't right. match up. Right. Anyway. Well, and normally, normally there would be individuals like you, CJ, in the media business who would be asking difficult questions. There's a reason why in a democracy, and in Canada particularly, the right to a free press, freedom of the press, is essential. 
mm-hmm. because in, in many ways, the way people access information about the courts, the way people access information about their government is through the media, through the media asking questions. Now, it may not be the question a particular reporter has in their heart of hearts, but it's maybe a, just a question that the public needs to know. You know, what's the basis for this differentiation? Right. We saw so much of like a continual narrative that ran right through all the political offices, right through the media, right into people's minds yeah. without like this, this concept of critical thinking, which doesn't mean you don't believe in science. In fact, asking hard questions is, is a part of science. Right. And, you know, demanding evidence and information is, is very much a scientific mind at work. It's, it's this kind of ideological, you know, let's all do our part thing. And so my part today will be wearing a mask while I'm jogging outside. And, and you're like, at what point have we lost the realm of science and, and just moved into this whole concept that, you know, I'm going to join and do my part. And, and that's all that matters is people see me doing my part. Well, rather than actually knowing what the basis is for this. And yeah. anybody that's not doing their part, oh, we will castigate them. They will be <laughs> the outcast of society, you know. And and the saddest place is that creeped into uh, our professions. Oh, totally. I can't tell you how many health professionals have been warned and censured and are facing disciplinary action, have lost hospital admitting privileges for making comments that you would expect health professionals to make. They're mm-hmm. qualified to talk about this. And if they don't quali- talk about what they're seeing on the ground, you know, I- I'm thinking of, of some individuals, you know, for example, you'd have a, an individual from an ER in one jurisdiction saying, we're just swamped, we're absolutely flooded, this is terrible. Another, you know, health professional in a hospital, maybe in the same city, says, we actually have nobody here. That's <laughs> like our, our, our hospital is incredibly empty right now. It, it's, and, it's, and then it'd be like exposing mismanagement of, of medical resources, for example. Yeah. Oh, and, and now the censorship is going to go after that guy who, who dared to speak something that wasn't in line with the narrative. You know, he may, be, he may be encouraging people to go, you know, kiss a random person on the street and spread COVID. Like as if that's the kind of, of – of, reaction individuals would have to just the facts because reality is what it is we should be talking about reality and letting as much truth come to the surface i mean freedom of expression for example is one of the most important things and it's it depends on a marketplace of ideas a free marketplace of ideas and censorship at the medical level censorship of individuals speaking out on these issues including maybe at political rallies but especially of the medical profession it is just absolutely unacceptable it's it's turned turned into a massive thing where it's like like you said it's shaming now to think critically like it's like right you get shamed for it's like well you don't know you're not a doctor bonnie henry's a doctor it's like well what's she saying she's not saying anything she just repeats numbers that and she doesn't even tell us anything there's this death or these many people sick it's like well how sick are they they got the sniffles like (laughs) <laughs> and she's she's in a political position too. Yeah. Like she's appointed by the government. I mean, you can you can see it for example maybe even more 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 relevantly in Alberta where you have Dina Hinshaw in a very similar office to Dr. Henry and Bonnie or okay. Dr. Bonnie Henry in, in BC. And and you can just see, you know, when the political pressure's leaning on her to make certain orders, mm. 
she she's a political appointment at will who's going to be enacting the policy of the government. It just so happens that she is the one that they've decided to enact the policy. Normally, when you have a law that applies to everybody in a province, your MLA goes to the legislature. You know, they might pass the law in an afternoon, go one, two, three votes on this thing and pass it into law and, and Premier Horgan signs this thing. But they debate it and they say, okay, you know, this is an important issue. We need to make a law saying that everybody needs to do X. Mm-hmm. But in the case of COVID, they're like, no, it doesn't really matter if you've elected representatives. What matters is what Dr. Bonnie Henry says. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, by the way, it's pretty clear that Premier Horgan and and certain elect in his inner circle are are telling her what to say or at least telling her, you know, this is the rule that we approve of and this is the rule we don't approve of. And so, you know, we're having a, a, a violation of not just freedom now. We're having a violation of democracy. Because you can go yell in your MLA's ear all day long on a Skype call because they probably won't let you in their office. <laughs> it's not going to matter because they don't vote on this stuff. That's great. And, and that's, that's a fundamental problem with democracy. I mean, it's a democratic society. It's also a free society. Both of those things need to be protected. And uh, democratic rights haven't exactly been protected. Well, and I think it goes back to the Constitution thing and that how we – are just complacent Canadians. Like we don't, we just, I think we take a pride or a lot of Canadians take a pride in being obedient. You know, like it's like, I'm smart enough to know that I should just listen and do what they say. And then if you don't, you're just a troublemaker, but it goes back to that thing, that right of being able to protest. It's like, if you can't do that, then it's over. Like it's, it's just, it's just over because then we're a dictatorship. So how do we get through this with, so that's the the other thing is, so it's like kind of, we're coming out of lockdown a little bit. So I feel like the people who wanted to fight are going to be even look now, they're going to seem more like troublemakers now. Because they're like, well, it's done. Like, just chill out. Like, go get your vaccine and, like, we're fine. But is it, though? Or is it just, like, a little smoke screen? And we're the government's still... Like, should we... How worried should we we be still? Well, well, you know, exactly. Like, can we trust the government to be telling us the science and saying that this is actually all over? Mm -hmm. You know? Because you got a vaccine, now... There's no more lockdowns. There's no more government violations. Like you don't have to worry about things. It is, I mean, hopefully I, I actually, I'm not a scientist. I don't know. But my concern is that people raising difficult questions about that saying, you know what, maybe there will be more lockdowns in the fall, you know, when a flu season happens again mm-hmm. and that flu season is necessarily going to involve, you know, a new, maybe new COVID variant, et cetera. It's yeah. like, these kind of tough questions, we're not really talking about them. We're just talking about, oh, our great political leaders have gotten us through. Justin Trudeau has arrived with enough vaccines to vaccinate not only every Canadian a few times, but, you know, people all over the world. So, I mean, look at look at how great we are. And we want to just talk about that for the for the summer instead of saying, well, do we actually understand where the government's place is? Because health concerns are going to arise. They might arise in this fall again. And if we have the same justification that we had for the last round of freedom restricting orders, you know, our freedom's in jeopardy again. And, and I think this idea about talking about freedom in Canada 
And, and I think you pointed out something very insightful is that in Canada, we don't want to be viewed as, you know, these, these rebels, right? Mm-hmm. We didn't, we didn't rebel against the government because they imposed a tax on tea. Like that's, that's such an American thing. You know, <laughs> we don't want to talk about freedom, you know, but, but we fail to realize that the reason why uh, we have the heritage of this pluralistic free society uh, in Canada, you know, goes back much further than this American concept of freedom. The American concept of freedom is borrowed a lot from people who influenced our uh, democratic values. I mean, we go hmm. back to the Magna Carta, for example, where we we saw that the people put the government in their place. The king hmm. was not going to cross some lines and freedom needed to be respected. And that freedom caused flourishing, you know, and we need to bring that flourishing to all Canadians. Like, for example, um, one, of the, one of the places where I have the privilege of, of, of working in a, in a small capacity is, is like First Nation Reserves, for example. Okay. Um, there's individuals in COVID, there were some incredibly harsh realities happening on First Nations Reserve. People absolutely locked down. I remember speaking to individuals who were seeking to get a car seat delivered for their newborn. Right. And that car seat was prohibited from coming onto the reserve due to COVID. What? And I'm thinking, how horrid that an individual is being prohibited from accessing something. Like, as a parent, sometimes you just put your child in a car seat, drive it around, and they can enjoy the rocking motion, go to sleep. Like, this is yeah. an essential item for this individual. For sure. You were talking about being delivered in a box. You're not allowed to have that, you know, due to COVID. Not to mention other other individual rights uh, that need to be protected there. But the concepts of freedom need to permeate our society, not just for, you know, so you can go out, you know, even if you're sick. That's not the idea. But but so that government has a lane and they don't get to dictate all of your personal decisions. Mm-hmm. And, and that needs to happen in every area of, of Canada. And when people don't have access to justice, sadly, on many First Nations communities, they don't. There's a power imbalance between an individual member of a of a First Nation and their their chief and council. You know, what is their rights? You know, do they have the money to hire a lawyer, go to court, get these rights redressed? Um, What we need is a culture of freedom where our governments understand their roles and responsibilities. And one of the most important ways to do that is taking cases to court. And then the court says, government, you went too far here. You need to stay behind this line. And governments are required then to stay behind that line. That's that's the constitutional conversation that has to happen. If that conversation doesn't happen, and that conversation is a very Canadian thing, that conversation looks like lawyers like us taking cases to court, the court weighing in on that and then telling the legislature up or down, this was okay, this wasn't okay. That's a very Canadian thing. We don't we don't yell and scream in courtrooms in Canada, maybe like you see. <laughs> I practiced in Chicago for a while when I when I moved down there. It's a little different. We, we have a very collegial bar. It's a very Canadian thing to do to, to petition the court, request judicial review, and say, is this constitutional? Does this properly respect the rights and freedoms in, Can- in Canada in regard to the evidence? Like, you shouldn't be anti-freedom. And yeah. that's what really we're asking for. And it's, and it's not like, okay, we're, you know, we're, we're grabbing the guns. We're, we're all a bunch of rednecks that are you know, going to fight for freedom here. Um, Fighting for freedom in Canada is a very Canadian thing to do. In fact, if you look at our national anthem, uh, yeah. it incorporates that value. 
It, yeah. it says, God keep our land glorious and free. It's, it's part of who we are, the true North strong and free. So, so a Canadian national identity uh, that is absent of freedom is, is, is missing some of the most important parts of who we are as Canadians. Our, our men and women have, have fought for freedom. And I, I remember in the courtroom, uh, the, the government of BC, their lawyers were saying, you know, this is the most shocking crisis. COVID is the most shocking crisis of, of the last 100 years. And I, Chief Justice Hinkson happened to feel compelled to remind the, the government that, you know, the, the veterans of World War II may view that different. <laughs> and I think might. it's important, you know, yeah. it's important to, to remember what threats to freedom look like mm-hmm. and, and what, you know, where justifications uh, to violate rights, you know, what kind of a crisis are you really in here? You know, yeah. is this wartime? Is this, is this annihilation and genocide happening? Or are, are we looking at, you know, what does the science tell us about this particular disease that you are now calling the crisis of the last 100 years? Right. And, and but yet, I, well, I can seems... tell you, if you went on social media, you're going to find a lot of people parroting that this is, you know, of course, the crisis. And this therefore justifies all of the things that our, our benevolent government will will do to to save our lives well yeah and then like you said in the media too they're just patting themselves on the back like we did everything like see how this worked see how this worked see how this worked it's just it's it's just it's wild it's amazing to watch actually (laughs) um, and and that's something is gonna have to be discussed you know because there's a fair amount of i I was you know reading a, a forward to a study out of germany that said you imposed hot, harsh lockdowns in Germany, but your numbers were already coming down. Mm. And the study conclusion, you know, scientific conclusions aren't hard, hard conclusions, but it's like the indication is that lockdown didn't do anything for you. Right. Yeah. We're not saying it did nothing, but the scientific indication is that lockdown was not the cause of your decreased numbers. And it's it's interesting because they'll compare, you know, okay, well, these people have been completely wide open and their case numbers have dropped dramatically. Oh, but we imposed sharp lockdowns at the same time here and our case numbers dropped dramatically. So therefore, it's the lockdowns that did it. And, the, and, you, and then you ask the question, well, what about this other jurisdiction? Yeah. Are you just going to ignore the fact that they exist? Yeah, and exactly. I, you know, there's, there's, there's some scientific debate about this and, and I, it's legitimate to saying, why would you lock down healthy individuals and asymptomatic individuals mm-hmm. instead of figuring out who's vulnerable and protecting the vulnerable? That's a conversation that's almost like anathema to talk about, even right. though everybody knows that it's elderly people, it's people with, with one or more, maybe one, two, three comorbidities that we need to like seriously talk about. And I, I was you know listening to a doctor who's speaking, there's many people who thought putting a mask on was a good enough protection for them, even though they were in a vulnerable category, they went out, their mask didn't, you know, stop all of the aerosolized yeah. virus coming through and they get COVID and died. And it's like, well, at least they were virtue signaling while they died. <laughs> and and you're, you're saying, well, this is not, Jeez. this is not how science is supposed to work. Right. And the yeah. most, the most lit up conversation in Canada is whether you're wearing a mask or not, which 
might not be the most scientifically important element of, of your own personal health choices. Well, definitely. But if the government mandated it, then you don't need to think about it, CJ. Don't, well, don't worry about it. The government has thought about it for you. And so your choice, what does your choice mean if you don't have freedom? Well, and, and it seems, I, I find it amazing that the whole time they've been talking about masks, distancing, and then the vaccine, but never have they talked about health. You know, like mm-hmm. they don't talk about get like get your immune system up, like get sleep, eat well, get exercise, get things going, you know, vitamin D, all these things. No one's talking about that. But well, it's it, it is a sensitive so, conversation, CJ, because you're going to talk about the fact that, you know, 85 percent, I believe, of individuals who are having a real difficult time with covid. Yeah. The common factor in that case would be obesity. Yeah, but you which, can't say that. That was an epidemic before <laughs> you know? COVID, right? You know, and that's and that's something we all need to be careful for. And COVID has not helped that yeah. issue. I know in my life, I'm like, okay, this this bag of chips and me have to have a divorce right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and that's that's an important question. Not to mention, you know, there's there's the healthy lifestyle, but what about what about the other medical interventions? Mm-hmm. I'm I'm hearing from medical professionals who say, I know it's maybe not politically correct to say, but but properly dosing with hydroxychloroquine and zinc, et cetera, mm-hmm. has shown incredible results. And I think they came out with a, with a study recently that said reduced death by three times if they, you know, happen to yeah. use this treatment wow. of hydroxychloroquine. And it's like, oh, no. Well, the orange man said that, so it couldn't have been scientific. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you know, even idiots can say things that are true sometimes. <laughs> and, <laughs> That's great. And, but but what matters is is have you done the science? But no, since an idiot said it, well, you know, I'm not gonna yeah, yeah. say anything. You know, I'm not gonna try to decry that, but media is gonna say, oh well, this person's crazy, therefore if they said it, it's not scientific, instead of actually let's do some science on this. And so individuals in a health environment in Canada. Are, you know, and they're fighting against COVID. They're right. fighting against this infection. They don't have access to some of these, you know, potential treatments. Well, yeah. if I'm an individual and I'm fighting against, I don't care if it's cancer, if it's threatening my life, I want to try all sorts of things. And I'm willing to try <laughs> even more experimental things. But you know what the government in Canada does? No, you're not allowed to try that here. But we'll rush through one kind of medical intervention. We'll rush through a vaccine in a very short period of time. Oh, but to try any of these therapeutics, these other things, we're not gonna we're not gonna like let medical doctors be trying that. And that, that's, that's a concern for your freedom, right? Because yeah. you, you also have a right to life, liberty, and security of the person. That's protected in section seven of the charter. Right. And that includes your ability to make decisions about what goes into your body, about your ability to access medical treatments. Um, and in Canada, we have this, this very federalized health system, even though health is a provincial jurisdiction. Mm-hmm. Federal funding goes out for our hospital systems. And there's a lot of federal rules that restrict access. There's a lot of provincial rules that restrict access to healthcare and restrict innovation. And, and your ability to, you know, maybe try more experimental treatment, try a treatment that the media doesn't like, to try a treatment that, you know, some person on the other side of the political aisle was endorsing. Well, good luck trying that. And hmm. that's that's a real concern because, again, your choice. Right. If, if you want to do a medical treatment, that should be your choice. That was established law in Canada that government doesn't get to dictate your medical choices. Um, really? 
you know, but essentially many of these individuals, you'd have to actually leave the country to get a medical treatment that you want your doctor to do because your doctor is going to be limited from, from giving you that medical treatment. Wow. Wow. Okay. I know we're running out of time here a little bit. I wonder if I can knock a couple things off here and if you sure. can get them in, <laughs> they might be big things though, but we'll try and just we'll maybe say a little bit. Yeah. Um, one thing I want to ask is I read in one of the articles about like opinions outside of work and how much your employer can do with that. Right. So, and even for someone maybe who works for the government, you said you had a lot of cases of people being fired by the government for attending some kind of rally or something. So what are the laws with free speech and opinions outside of the workplace and what the employer yeah. says? Well, the, the key distinction becomes, is your employer a government agency okay. uh, or are they a private agency? Okay. So say, say you work for, you know, a marketing company and your, your company's marketing Pepsi and you go out and say that Coke is the best product you've ever drank. And, oh, but you only did that on your private social media. Well, that marketing company might come back and fire you because that made their marketing campaign for Pepsi look bad. Okay. So your, your ability in a private workplace to be protected by the constitution is, is quite different. Okay. Um, Huh. Your protection in a private workplace is generally limited to protections provided in labor law and in uh, like the human rights codes. Because in the human rights codes, you can't fire someone because they're a different faith than you. You can't fire someone because they have a disability that you could accommodate. You can't fire someone because they're a different ethnic group, etc. Okay. So there's private employers can't do that. But when it comes to government, government can't fire you on the basis of your opinions, on the basis of your political expression, unless they can show that that firing is justified. So, hmm. you know, say you're a mid-level uh, employee of a, of a government agency, but you also participate in politics and you're very active in the Green Party um, and, and, and you'll, you know, you're active in expressing your opposition to pipelines. Okay. Well, if the government comes along and says, you know what, we're going to fire you because you're going against the government's position on this. Well, all of a sudden your freedom of expression kicks in and the government has to show that's actually justified, likely not justified. But say you're the deputy minister, okay. a political appointment, and, and you're out there saying no pipelines, but your government is in fact saying we're going to build pipelines because it's essential for resource, responsible resource development, etc. And, and – and, and then the, the government says, okay, well, you're, you're not – we're going to fire you from being deputy minister. Well, that's likely to be justified because, again, you're, you're speaking more on behalf of the government in that role and you can't be separated. So that's kind of the way freedom of expression works in an outside context. Here during COVID, we're saying if you have expressed a contrary position mm -hmm. uh, to the government's line, the government agency, whether that's a hospital – whether that's uh, a regulatory body of, of your profession is going to be taking action against you. Hmm. And sometimes they'll, they'll, they'll couch it in terms like this. You went to an outdoor protest. Oh, and by the way, CJ, those outdoor protests are prohibited. So therefore hmm. you broke the law, even though you were exercising your charter rights and that law probably has no justification if it ever <laughs> gets to court. Right. Um, but you broke the law. Therefore we're going to fire you because you're a danger to people's health. But yet, 
they're, they're clearly doing it because you're exercising your constitutional right of expression, but also of peaceful assembly. Okay. That's where I think those government agencies that have done that uh, are going to be in a, in a rough shape when that gets to court. Because, again, they have to show that that was a justified response. Did you really bring in you know, a terrible health risk that justified you being fired right. from your employment? Oh, oh, by the way, we haven't been able to trace a case to a protest. Oh, okay. So that no justification then at all. And, and that's where, you know, government needs to be put to their evidence. Um, expressions on, on social media, for example, there's a case out of Saskatchewan where a nurse said, you know, this other, I believe it was an old folks home. They, they weren't behaving properly uh, in the medical profession. And then her own college of nurses said, well, actually, we're going to fire you. You're going to be censured for doing that. The Court of Appeal said, no, she's a nurse, but she also has freedom of expression. She has a right to comment on these kind of things. And so I think those kind of cases are going to go up where, uh, you know, you're clear that you're not commenting in your capacity as, you know, I'm commenting on behalf of, you know, interior health here. Right. You know, if you're not speaking in that fashion, you do have this this much more broad right to freedom of expression. So Um, as long as you like... as long as you stay, say where you're coming from, right? Like I'm not coming from my employer's point of view. I'm coming from my personal point of view. Then you're kind of like safe. Well, we wish or, that was the case. <laughs> should be safe. We're, as, as, as this whole discussion has shown, government has not stayed in their lane. Mm-hmm. And government agencies, you have, you have people in government agencies that regardless of the science, they're going to go after a person who's expressing a viewpoint. And they're going to fire that person. They're going to make that person fight back. Right. We're seeing that all over the place. So I can't say you're going to be safe. I can say that uh, you should probably contact the Justice Center and we can talk about things. Yeah. There's also unions involved. Uh, many government employers have unions. And so you mm-hmm. need to probably help your union to recognize that you have a charter right to express your views, even if the government doesn't like your views. And then you have a grieving process and it takes a while before you'd actually get to be a uh, before a judge and, and have mm-hmm. that issue addressed. So, you know, okay. I'd love to just say, yeah, you can go ahead and, and speak your mind, say, I'm not speaking on behalf of my employer. And then your employer has no recourse. I can tell you that'll help you if you fight it. But uh, we're, we're seeing governments and government agencies still target people, even but, when it's pretty clear that they're not speaking on behalf of the government. But I feel like people need to start speaking. Otherwise, it'll just get worse, you know? <laughs> like, right. So. Yeah, I mean... The fight for freedom, it's not necessarily going to cost you your life right now. Yeah. But it, it may cost you. It, it, it certainly sometimes costs you friends to you know, talk about freedom. It's, oh, how dare you talk about freedom? Yeah. Um, that's an American thing. Or it, it may, in fact, Im- impact your employment. But, yeah, if people don't, uh, you know, aren't willing to bear some of that cost and, and to, to fight for freedom, then, then we can't really expect government to respect freedom. Because, again right. – these situations would need to get to court. The court would need to address it and then they'd be vindicated. That might be a year or two down the road though. Right. Right. Um, okay. We're at 11 o'clock. Do you got, got to run? You got a second. I don't, I don't have to run it. This is my noontime here okay. in Alberta. So I can eat up my lunch hour talking to you. <laughs> uh, well, we'll try and just get this over quick here for you. Um, sure. There was one thing, maybe just a quick thing on this because it kind of blew my mind uh one of you guys articles on regina and the maskless mask uh protest or whatever there there's people 
walking across maskless, I guess. And they put up a website to, for other people to like, if you know this person, let us know and call or call crime stoppers. Like this is insane. They didn't actually put up. Yeah. Like we're talking about, you know, when they, the government puts out a, a release saying, here's a dangerous person in your neighborhood. Yeah. identify them we're, we're trying to capture them right you see that you, you see that for you know sex offenders you see that for you know escapees from prison yeah. well in saskatchewan they decided to do that for protesters call crime stoppers if you know who these people are because they were outside and there was 20 of them and there needed to be only 10 of them and therefore oh you know let's find these people the saskatoon police did it as well i mean we're talking about Random it's, blow, Joe. I, I'm just wanting to come out here and, and say that the government's gone too far in these lockdowns. And and now the police are targeting them. In Regina, it, the irony is particularly rich, right? Because this restriction on 10 people outdoor protests, mm. how much was that complied with when we had the Israeli-Palestinian uh, conflict here recently? Mm-hmm. No, it wasn't complied with at all. They had massive protests in front of the legislature. Okay. okay. Any tickets there? None. Any of those people on social, uh, you know, put on, you know, Facebook to show how terrible they are and need to identify them? No, no, we wouldn't do that. Oh, oh, by the way, what about Black Lives Matter? What was the restriction back then? Yeah. Ten people. Well, guess who was speaking at the big rally with, you know, hundreds of people in attendance? Guess who was speaking there? Oh, the Regina chief of police was speaking at the Black Lives Matter rally, <laughs> and men, and his family members were in the rally. And, and his officers were there with their family members. Oh, but the law said 10. Those are the same officers that are going around taking pictures of people that are attending anti-lockdown protests with the same rule in place and putting them on social media and, and putting them on Crime Stoppers website saying, call in and identify these people. Let's ruin their lives. Let's ruin their reputation. That's crazy. Uh, for it's, attending a public outdoor protest. We're just, suing on that case. And, you know... This is this is how wrong-headed things have gotten. I mean, mm-hmm. you'd think Saskatchewan, th- there's some common sense there, you'd hope. Mm-hmm. No, not at all. <laughs> they just drank the narrative. I don't know how the police think they're going to get away with this. Um, but that is an incredible – and, you know, even the premier there, uh, riding a high approval rating. But he's, he goes – he's like, oh, yeah, maybe I'd go speak at a Black Lives rally. Uh, and that's when the lockdown was 10. But when they're having these outdoor protests, he says, these people are so irresponsible yeah. yelling about their rights and freedoms. How dare they? You know, it's like they're, they're the same outdoor protests. Actually, the lockdown protests were smaller. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, what, what are you talking about, man? Well, it sounds but like this if, is- if we if we let this go, like they'll be like, well, we got away with that. How? Because they constantly push it. What's that phrase? If uh, you give up some of your rights you'll never get them all back or something like that like well yeah if you don't if you don't use your freedom you lose your freedom and freedom lost is seldomly regained yeah uh, that's it you know that's just the reality mm-hmm. and you know government tends to want more power they tend to want more money they 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 kind of eat whatever you give them and you always have to kind of put them back in their place because it's you know, you can win elections by promising people all of the things. Oh, and by the way, I'll also make all of your medical decisions for you. So you don't have to worry about that. I mean, I'm not sure they're going to run on that campaign, but it seems like that's 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 their, their ploy. And so politicians, you know, they have a it seems like an insatiable appetite for power. They don't want to admit it, yeah. but that's maybe human nature. It almost seems to be a little bit. controlling. Yeah, it almost your seems- choice don't make sense to me. I'm going to tell you what to choose. Well, <laughs> 
Welcome to freedom, man. You, you don't get to tell other people what to do and, and yeah. neither should the government in these regards. Yeah. Unless they can justify it. If they got the evidence, the hard evidence to justify that this is a restriction that makes sense, it protects uh, you know, people it, to this level and therefore it's justified, well, bring it to court. The reality yeah. is, is when we take these cases to court, like in Saskatchewan, the government's delaying, delaying. They haven't given us any evidence to show that their justification on protests meets a constitutional test. Well, mm-hmm. bring it because we're, we're there. We've got our experts in court saying there's negligible risk of, of spreading this COVID at these outdoor protests. Right. And, and yet the government continues to exercise that kind of like gross violation of individual privacy while they're exercising their constitutional rights and freedoms. Uh, pretty doesn't doesn't bode well for for that government's respect for constitutional freedom right right um yeah and the mask thing was interesting but that's almost done so let's not talk about masks <laughs> but, um i i heard one yeah that that's a different question there's there's a yeah. lot of debate about that one and it's it's you know it's almost like we've gone so far past masks exactly. that that's like yeah and and again the it the hopefully thing- uh, you know, the science comes out on that sufficient for people to, to be aware of it. And yeah. you know what, if you want to wear a mask for the rest of your life, yeah, that should be your personal choice. Right. You do, you do you, as they say. Yeah. So the thing that's terrifying me now is the vaccines. <laughs> um, because like right as we speak right now, Bonnie Henry and John Horgan are having a press conference for stage two opening. And apparently one of the basis to get to stage two was 65% of adults in BC vaccinated with their first dose. And I'm like, what, how can they make that like a mandatory thing for opening up? Right. Um, and I've noticed myself and apparently we're like at 75 right now. And I've noticed myself just, just even at work or with people is that everyone just expects that you're getting it, the vaccine. And if you say you're not or not interested in it right now, or you're just going to wait, or you're like, I think I'm healthy. I'm just going to hold off. I've never been a vaccine person. That's not to say I'm not judging anyone who does it, but there's this total shaming. Like, like, why aren't you on board? Like you're the problem. Um, And I think it's just starting. Like, I think this is going to be massive, a massive problem with, with work and with, um, like would they talk about it creating a class system and with the passport idea and the peer pressure, like the government is literally encouraging peer pressure for people to get the vaccine. Very much so. so well, and I'm scared. And they might be <laughs> enacting that peer pressure too. Uh, you know, I've this, this idea that we need to categorize our vaccine rates on the basis of whether 12 year olds are getting enough of the vaccine. Mm-hmm. It's like, the, the, potent, the risk to a 12-year-old is incredibly minimal. Mm-hmm. The ability of a 12-year-old to discuss whether they want the vaccine is, you know, they, they don't have that ability. Many adults, you know, you're kind of consenting to an unknown risk. These are not yeah. exactly tested vaccines. Now, people have the right, again, like I mentioned, you, can, you should have the right to go try any experimental treatment you want, including experimental vaccines. If that's what you're going for, you go for it. Uh, and the government shouldn't be dictating that. But again, this idea of government coercion to your medical choices. Exactly. You know, if, if an individual is protected by a vaccine and another individual 
says, no, I'm, 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 not, I'm not taking it. You know, if that individual happens to get the disease and dies, well, that's on them. You know, they chose it. If an individual chooses to get a vaccine and it wasn't the government telling them that they had to get this vaccine and that person happens to suffer an adverse reaction, we know there's some of those out there. Mm -hmm. Well, they chose to get that. And your own choices are are essential to your life and your freedom. And, and some of our choices lead to, you know, dangerous things. I used to longboard. I know what <laughs> bad choices look like. You take a longboard down a mountain you haven't scouted out before. You, you can find yourself hitting some big things, yeah. you know, and, but that's, that's on you, man. You chose that medical decisions. You should have a right to choose. And, and we're getting so close in these orders, especially when we're pushing it on kids, but, but even, even in jobs where it's like, okay, have you been vaccinated? I, I, I remember stories of like this idea that everybody should be vaccinated. There's, there's always been different camps on this, even right. within the medical community. I know, you know, the flu vaccine, for example, has been around for a while. Mm -hmm. And so you'd have hospitals put up a board. These nurses have been vaccinated. These ones haven't. Well, hmm. guess what? Well, that's a violation of someone's fundamental privacy. And so they had to take those boards down. And those yeah. are for nurses. Now, guess what? The flu kills people in hospitals. So, you know, like, but nurses haven't been forced to get the flu vaccine. Well, and I heard people Bonnie are Henry. PPE, people are doing these kind of things. That wasn't that's that's a violation of their rights. But now we're looking at okay, no, everybody, if you're working in any healthcare environment, you have to get this vaccine. Now, a lot of private employers are already doing that. Mm -hmm. As soon as the government employers start doing that, constitutional cases will be filed because again, you're essentially saying you can work for the government if you do all the medical things we tell you to do, mm -hmm. but you can't work for the government if you happen to exercise your own freedom in regard to medical choices. And they justify it while saying, you know, it's it's to keep transmission from other people. But then where's the which, evidence? You know, which, we, we have these scientific studies that say, you know, the risk of transmission is undefined necessarily, yeah. even if you get some of these vaccines. Now, I, I love to see better science on all of these things. You know, we, we had an outbreak in uh, the medical system in Calgary in the hospital recently. All yeah. of these people had been vaccinated, but they got they got a new virus strain. So let's yeah, like, let, let the science do their work. But while you're doing that, you better be respecting people's rights and freedoms. And I, I think we have some real concerns because we've looked to this vaccine as the universal savior yeah. uh, to get us all out of this. Instead of saying for thousands of years, people have been living with health risks. Some of them yeah. have been disastrous. But this idea of locking down the population, it actually hasn't been tried before, and it doesn't look like it's it's going to get us out of this one. And by the way, vaccines do help. I mean, some things have been like, look at polio. You're like, wow, that's incredible. Mm -hmm. um, is it the savior in this case? Well, before you start touting it as the savior and as, you know, that number of 12-year-olds, people over 12 that have gotten vaccinated, that is your only salvation for freedom you know, you better have some very solid science to back that up because, man, it is an incredible violation. And, and that the two-tiered system of life is, is a very real risk of that kind of viewpoint. Well, yeah, that's exactly what I'm thinking. Like, And they're already saying that, oh, numbers have gone down because of this. It's like, well, you don't know that. A, restaurants were also closed, but I don't think there was a massive number of cases ever from restaurants anyway connected with that so it's like well why were they closed and where's the numbers and why do you make that decision 
and they don't actually know why the numbers have changed, right? Maybe it was, I don't know if there, I think there's less tests all of a sudden too. <laughs> but, um, but I heard that. All that on, you looked into. Yeah. I also heard on Friday that she said that she's very, very much looking into um, personal care or long-term care workers being being mandatory yeah. to have the vaccine. And I was like, oh, there yeah. it's starting. That's that would be the start of it. Right. Uh, yeah. But and it's so weird to me because the job I'm at, I work with the public and we didn't miss a beat with all this. We we slowed our hours at first. We didn't have to wear masks until November. So that whole time I wasn't wearing masks. Then we started wearing masks. So that's part of my thing. I'm like, I don't know anyone who got it. I feel like I'm pretty healthy. I've been face to face. There's no social distancing in our store. Let's be honest. The aisles aren't even big enough. So there's fewer people in the store. But when you see that and then you hear all the stuff they're saying, I'm like, it doesn't add up to my reality. Um, and I'm really worried about, like you said, the the class system and the I think that people aren't, I think there's more people that want to be like, I don't want to take it, but they're just doing it because other people are, and they think everyone thinks they should, but that's because the people who don't want to aren't talking because they don't want to be stigmatized. Absolutely. It's, so, it's, it's a very, very divisive issue. It, it's, it's a hugely divisive issue. And you know, the, the lack of just respect for people's medical freedom Mm -hmm. is is fundamental once you lose sight of you have a right to your own medical choices and i don't have a right to know what those are or to dictate those yeah. and neither does the government once you lose that foundational principle then it's just what do i think everyone should do and if i was in power this is what i would tell everybody to do and mm -hmm. it's like yeah that's that's dictatorial that's yeah. that's tyrannical and and people are well it's for the good of society well, that's when you need to prove it because you don't just get to say my way's best. Mm -hmm. um, and and again, this this reality that once government starts dictating your medical choices, if government can dictate what goes into your body, you are beginning to really need to search for any realm where the government doesn't get to tell you what to exactly, do. Exactly, exactly. And everybody should be concerned about the violation of that principle, whether you're pro-vax or vaccine hesitant, you need to just be aware of the principle and of the line that's being crossed. Exactly. Because again, it's the principles of freedom that have allowed flourishing, but tyranny and dictatorial instincts, they just grow. They mm. don't, they don't, they don't get trimmed back on their own. Mm. And, and that's, that's a real concern because it might come down to the next medical choice you want to make for yourself. Right. Or, you know, or the other personal choice that, that the government's now dictating to you. Yeah. And that's, I, I guess I, there's a very large uh, coffee company in the world. <laughs> and I just heard from that they, it came down from the pipes that they are not allowed to actually ask their employees if they've been vaccinated. And I was like, thank God that they did that. Maybe that'll start a trend because they tend to start trends. And I hope it'll start at my employer and, and across the board, because then we might avoid this class system thing. I had a customer the other day. He asked me, he's like, did you get your shot yet? And I'm like, you can't ask me that. <laughs> we have a little bit of a rapport. So I kind of said that. And he's like, oh, yeah. is that crossing over? And I'm like, well, it's like asking me if I got my prostate checked. Like, you're not going to do that. Just don't do that. Well, yeah. Or, you know, it's like, 
are we, we going to start allowing anybody that has a tr- transmissible disease, mm-hmm. we get to ask you your medical state status. And if you happen to have a transmissible disease that could potentially cause harm to somebody mm. else, then, then we get to discriminate against you. Well, guess what? There's more than one transmissible disease out there. Right. And discrimination is illegal in pretty much any service employment area you go into. So right. employers and governments that want to jump on this bandwagon, if you want to start violating the rights of, of this group, you know what? You're, you're undermining the protections we have for all people with disabilities. There are people that, that will not be able to get the vaccine. We need to respect those. There are people, right. for example, that, that could not wear masks for psychological or medical reasons. And all of a sudden, you know, there's so much discrimination against those people that they feel bad just going to Costco to get something. Right. You know, I, like we are having a society that's 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 kind of forgetting that there's differences. And in a pluralistic society, we don't try to conform everybody to the same view we try to accommodate those differences and and respect other people's choices even if we don't understand it i mean mm-hmm. some of those statements like you know what i disagree with what you're doing or i dif- disagree with what you're saying but i'll protect your right to be different i'll protect your right to say it that view has been lost right. and it's a very illiberal concept that's being adopted by governments who call themselves progressive or even governments who call themselves conservative whatever it is the, the principles of liberalism, the principles of freedom that say we don't all have to be the same and we can all get along, uh, those are being jeopardized. And when you jeopardize those principles, you jeopardize the nature of the mosaic, the nature of the inclusive society that you have. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, we don't want a caste system. We don't want, a, we don't want an invasive uh, country where you're asked about your medical status every place you go into. Yeah. That'll create a two-tier society. And when you... When you split people like that, it's going to create divisions that, you know, quite frankly, that's not good for anyone. And it doesn't always end well. Yeah, I have this like big conspiracy theory movie thing in my head that the government's making it, taking everything away so that they can give it back to you so that you'll trust them and just obey them forever now because they gave it back to you. It's that, what's that, uh... It's a torture technique. It sounds like it's, a parenting technique. <laughs> well, it's a torturing. It's a, literally a torturing technique where this, the same person that causes you all the pain is, alleviates you of it. And then you get this connection and you're like, oh, they're the ones who saved me, right? It's Anyway, that's my little conspiracy thing. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but, you, don't have to be, you don't have to be conspiratorial to be concerned about what's going on. <laughs> Just the facts. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't. I don't often engage in the why. Uh, okay, but what's... I look at the facts, and they're bad enough. Right. You know, they're they're bad enough for me to say this needs to be fought, and it keeps you going every day to say you know, especially you see individuals that are losing their livelihoods, losing their careers. Yeah. Uh, you're you're seeing people, you know, medical situations where individuals were were you know condemned to exist alone without any connection to family just because the government said so yeah, that's like, insane. that kind of violation of human rights it motivates us at the justice center to say we're not going to stand by just because people say oh stop stop yapping on the freedom thing we're not going to stand by because governments need to be put in their place i mean we're talking about even people even the vulnerable uh mm-hmm. you know in in old folks homes where you can see you know, these seniors needed protection from a virus, but they didn't even have the choice to see their family members 
regardless of the kind of safety protocols that were in place because government said they couldn't. You know, and that, that kind of heart-wrenching circumstances where you get government dictating all these things, you know, that that's that's real concerning. I mean, yeah. for me, whether I'm seeing my my grandparents, it was up to them. I wasn't it wasn't for me to be like, hey, the government says I can't see you, so I'm not gonna see you. It's like, no, you're you're maybe at the you're maybe nearing the end of your life. It's up to you whether whether you want to see your great grandchild or not. Like that's, that's not for me to that's not for me, and it's certainly not for the government to tell yeah. me that. And if the government thinks that that's their place, like come and talk to some real people. Get out of your ivory towers and and recognize that some people have values that might be different than you. They don't just want to live for as long as possible without COVID. They might actually want to make their own choices about life. And so you know you don't get to tell them all these things to do and. It used to be that the Constitution was that guy. They'd go down the list saying, okay, well, this is violating their conscience. We, can't, we shouldn't be doing that. This is violating their freedom of expression. We shouldn't be doing that. Hmm. This is violating the right to gather peacefully, maybe in families, maybe in, in protests. We shouldn't be doing that. This is violating the right to associate around their faith, around their, 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 their needs. Like, Don't where, they check where it anymore? That Where's that thinking, you know? Yeah. And, and you, you only see it you know, lip service and often only lip service. I know in, in BC, after we sued the government, they then started adding under the Canadian charter of rights and freedoms. We think these orders are justified only months after we sued them though. It's like, that should have been your first thought. Well, and you yeah. should be explaining why you say this is justified every week, but no, that, that seems to be an afterthought for them. Oh man. It's so crazy. So, okay, well let's wrap her up here. Um, I just have one thing that I, uh, we need help with. Um, do you remember that movie Network, the old movie? I think it was in the 80s. You know, man, I'm not much it, of a movie guy, so well, can't, can't, you, can't say I do. You'll remember it, there's a famous um, scene from it where this newscaster just freaks out and they follow him. And he's basically saying, like, he says, I don't know what to tell you. I wouldn't tell you what to write to your government or wouldn't tell you this, but it's bad. Everything's bad. And the first thing you have to do is get mad. And then he starts saying, go to your window and yell, I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. I'm like, everyone should need, needs to watch that clip again. Just YouTube it. Um, but how do we get mad? That's the thing. I'm seeing so many people just, I'm like talking about this and they're just like, ah, ah, ah. And it's even worse. Like the people who it's affected, who've lost their business, who are in poverty, who who are massively depressed, who are like suicidal, all this stuff. You can see how it affects them and how they can be upset. But how do we get the comfortable mad and realizing that something's wrong? How do we do this? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I think it starts, I think it starts with education. I, I think it starts with, with understanding how a, how a society is supposed to function, how a free mm. and democratic society is supposed to function. And you know, if your elected representative won't answer your questions, you need to be ready to be mad enough to say, we're getting a new new party in here. We're getting a new elected representative. If your political party is not letting your people vote on it, well, maybe you need to kick your leaders out and, mm -hmm. and, and establish democracy again. Um, be mm -hmm. educated about the fa facts. I mean, the wonderful thing about science now is that, you know, most of us have studied science to some degree. There's scientific papers going out there. Be involved in freedom of expression. Like, don't take junk science. 
Mm-hmm. Understand the positions that are there to justify things. Insist that these things be explained to you in a manner that you can understand. Right. Uh, you know, go to the experts. There's there's a lot of a lot of information out there that your politicians aren't utilizing, and they should have to answer why they're not utilizing it. So I think education is key to edu- understand both the principles of freedom and why they're so important. You know, the science behind what justifies or doesn't justify these restrictions. And then, you know, if people just on ideological grounds refuse to explain to you, you know, why these government restrictions are mandatory and necessary, then then it's time to do something about it. Right. And, you know, everybody has the ability to, to be engaged politically. I know that's, that's a lot of your thing there is making that process understandable. Um, you know, sometimes you have to do something legally. That's where we come in. We, yeah. we are supported by donors across the country who allow us to hire lawyers to take cases on a pro bono basis. And so we can fight the government on behalf of people who otherwise would have no funding. I mean, it's often the, the marginalized and the poor who have their rights violated right. and don't have the ability to fight back. And, and, and we need to stand up for, for those that may be different from us in society and say, okay, I don't you know, understand all your beliefs or I don't understand necessarily your medical choices, but I'm going to fight for freedom here so the government doesn't grab more power than they should have mm-hmm. and unjustified exercises of that power. So I, I think education is the first thing. And, and once you're informed, you know, hopefully you're not saying a bunch of stupid stuff and you become persuasive. <laughs> and, uh, and, and who knows, maybe, maybe you're the person that needs to run for politics and be like, okay, I, I'm going after your seat because yeah. you're doing nothing for me as an elected representative. I'm going after city council where they're they're making these stupid laws that they have no business making. Like they're not health professional. Like mm-hmm. who knows what it what it could be. Um, but I, I think we do need to be engaged in our legal system. We do need to be engaged in our political system. And at the end of the day, um, you also need to be engaged with the people around you. Not an aggressive conversation, but if you understand freedom if you understand the facts of you know what's going on talk about it don't Share shy that away information. from it yeah don't shy away from it have those conversations maybe social media is not the best place to have those deep conversations yeah, probably not. maybe have that backyard party out there and you know invite them over for for a few and you know have a conversation yeah. you know the public in canada has been massively conditioned by our media Huge. and and we support that media. I was trying to figure out how many hundreds of millions of dollars the government's committed to, you know, some of these legacy media organizations, which, which surprisingly are parroting government information. And it's like, maybe, maybe you need to be more selective as to where you get your information to make sure it's coming from, from a, a more balanced perspective. Maybe you need to, to find this perspective, then go find a different perspective and see if those facts are lining up. You talked right. a lot about that. If the facts aren't lining up for you, you know, get some get some information because reality and and the science needs to needs to line up. And if it's right. the science, maybe maybe it's it's not all that that they're saying it is. Right. And so, yeah, educate yourself and then be engaged, whether that's personally, politically or even legally. Uh, if it is a legal situation you're facing, I encourage you to, to go to jccf.ca. <laughs> we got a submission form there. It's confidential. You can ask us questions and and uh, we'll do our best to to help you out or, or get back to you. Yeah, I think you guys need a lot more lawyers too <laughs> with the, the way things are going, I feel. <laughs> yeah, it, there, there's a bit of a dearth of, of organizations in Canada that are fighting freedom. 
Yeah. Um, but it's, it's a privilege to work with, with more than a dozen lawyers at the Justice Center now yeah. who are fighting this across the country. And uh, yeah, it's but out of 38 million people or so, <laughs> uh, the, need is, the need is incredibly great. So yeah, yeah. yeah we, we are more than, more than <clears throat> overloaded. Yeah, your guys' website is great, and and I want to uh, shout out the podcast too. That uh, is it, the founder that is on that, or yeah, the, John Carpey is often doing a podcast. He'll invite different people on sometimes. Every once yeah. in a while, even I'll do it. But uh, <laughs> it's it's you know talking about things. Hopefully, can be educational and informative, and 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 keep you up to speed as to you know what are what are some of the current issues we're facing. Right. So, just a, like a one sentence kind of thing to someone who's who's got money coming in they're at home with their girlfriend sitting on the couch watching Netflix every night and they're like, yeah, everything's perfect. What would you say to them about the constitution, <clears throat> constitutional freedoms in Canada? Well, <laughs> might be a little harsh, but we, we need to not be so self-centered mm. and maybe not so narcissistic. Uh, you know, if, if, if that's your, if that's your, your joy in life is watching Netflix, that's fine. But we also need a purpose and we need to, to think about our society in a, in a long-term way. Just because you happen to be getting a CERB check coming in right now, well, what happens when that dries up? You right. know, what happens when when the government line is is affecting you or maybe affecting your kids? Uh, those are those are considerations that that we need to think about. Right. And so you know, freedom freedom works. Uh, it, it's important. And if you don't see the value in freedom, then then you need to you need to uh, read up a bit, get educated because freedom isn't something that that just flourishes naturally. Right. It has to be maintained. Sometimes it has to be fought for. And uh, and if you don't think freedom is important, there's a lot of dictators and and uh, and uh, examples in history that show that <laughs> if you don't have freedom, you're about to lose everything. Wow, that's a great way to end. That's great. <clears throat> Thank you so much. Um, and yeah, let's shout out the website for the Justice Center again. It's J. It's JCCF.ca. Yeah, and everyone should go there. There's so much information. It's it, it blew me away. Like, <laughs> and it's so clear. Um, thank you so much, uh, Marty Moore, for being on the podcast and uh, for giving me all the information. Hope things going well, well for you guys. Good. What can people Appreciate do? It. What can people do to support you guys? We are a registered charity, so all the work that we do is pro bono, free of charge, and so we welcome donations. It's why we can do what we do. Uh, obviously, we're making a lot of commitments to people. We're taking on a lot of cases uh, and hopefully hiring more lawyers, so any support that we receive goes right into funding those, that, that work, and so you can donate at, the, at jccf.ca, uh, but you can also find links to our podcasts, our newsletters, articles that we have. Uh, research that we've done and, and you can see a taste of the other work obviously COVID's just one issue freedom in society there's a lot of freedoms right. that that are, are being affected and so so we litigate on those freedoms and and try to educate as well so yeah That's website's the best place to start and there's some pamphlets or something on there too like some promo things right that yeah yeah like you can uh if you want some basic conversational starting material we have, you know, brochures and pamphlets you can pass out to your, your friends and, and start up a conversation. But we also have papers that are written by medical doctors mm. and, and evaluating, you know, the lockdowns in your particular province, what information the government was going off of, what were their predictions about how many people were died, was this based on science? 
And, and some of that information is there if you want to do a deeper dive. So check out right. the published reports, uh, you know, and maybe, maybe the pamphlets, your, your style. But again, educating yourself is, is really key to being persuasive in, in conversations, whether that's with, with, uh, with your elected representatives or, or even with your neighbors so, right. or your coworkers. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Okay. Thank you so much. And uh, hopefully we'll talk again. Thank you, CJ. Okay. Well, damn. Hope you got as much out of that chat with Marty as I did. Looks like in the center of all the niceties and agreeableness of Canada, we actually do have a backbone. It just seems to be hiding a little, and most of us don't know how strong it is or how strong it could be. Uh, Maybe that's because we need the help. Maybe it needs our help, this backbone. So let's get educated and, and put our constitutional freedoms at the forefront again. So the government that's there to work for us knows which lanes it has to work within. Like Marty said, freedom isn't something that flourishes naturally. It has to be maintained. And sometimes it has to be fought for. I hope you take the time to check out the Justice Center's website at www.jccf.ca and dig into all their amazing content and their resources there. It's truly incredible. There's so much. Uh, Maybe even print out their brochure and pass them around to others so that they can get educated as well. I, I know that it's hard to do the research. It takes time. It takes effort. So I think that um, getting the pamphlet and passing it around is a great way to inform others while not ex- not them not having to do all the legwork, right? Um, it's a simple thing that we can do. Uh, and the Justice Center has just laid it all out there for us. So it's, it's just great. So let's get back to normal with COVID and also back to normal with our freedoms. Just a quick friendly reminder, uh, if you'd like to support the podcast, as I said at the very beginning, we work solely on donations, so anything is very, very much appreciated. Just click on one of the links in the episode description or drop by the website at www.governthis.ca. Anything, anything is very much helpful. You can also connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash govern this and on Twitter at we govern this. So if you liked what you've heard and you think it's important, please share it with as many people as you can. And hopefully we can all become a little more aware and involved. So until next time, stay curious. <laughs>